John chapter 3, in verse 16, will be our starting text. It will also be our finishing text this morning. Um, but let's read John 3.16 together. Would you please stand and honor the reading of the Word of God? John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let us pray. Lord, this morning we are so grateful for Your love. We're grateful that You sent Your Son so that we might believe in Him and be set free. I ask this morning, God, that You'd help me, Lord, as I preach and continue to preach on Your love. God, to do it justice. God, I pray that You would anoint our ears, our eyes, and our hearts, God, that we can hear, see, and understand Your Word. God, I pray this morning You'd give us a revelation of what Your love looks like and how it works. God, I pray this morning we would be confronted with the question of do we love like You love? Do we really love others the way that You love us? What does that look like? God, I ask that You'd anoint me now to preach Your Word in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. I pray that it would touch hearts, Lord. I pray that we would break past all the exterior things, Lord, that and walls that we put up, and that this morning Your Word would penetrate deep into our souls, changing us from the inside out. I pray, God, if there be anybody here this morning who is not saved, that they would clearly see it today and run to You, Father, to be rescued out of a world of sin and death and destruction. God, I just ask that You'd have Your way. Ultimately, that You would be lifted up and exalted. God, we pray these things this morning in the precious name above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. This morning we continue a series that we have been uh, preaching and studying concerning the love of God. This morning I want to preach the fourth part of this series and eventually get to the heart of the sermon, which I have titled, Sometimes Love Bleeds. Sometimes love bleeds. But before we get there, I want us to look at John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world. I spent a lot of time last night working diligently to um, prove without any hesitation what I'm about to tell you. And I was unable to prove it. Uh, but I'm going to tell you I believe it. And that is the wording of John 3.16 is correct when it says, For God so loved the world. That word so, in the Greek, it has the same meanings it does in the English. Sometimes we say, I was hungry, so I went to eat. And that word so means therefore. But sometimes we use it to um, even put a heightened sense of how much something meant, like I was so mad, or we were so joyful. And so where the word is placed in the sentence makes a difference on how it's used. And I have concluded to the best of my ability that this is correct. There are some commentators that disagree. But it's not that God loved the world, so He decided to do something about it. It was that He so loved the world. It was that... 
He, he was, it was a love that was so deep. It was, he was so in love with the people of this world. Not the sin, not the destruction, not the death, not the chaos, but with the people of the world. He so loved the world that he gave. What I want us to see this morning, I've got three very simple points this morning. I want you to see that love is an action. It is not just a feeling. It is not just something that we emotionally experience. God so loved that He gave. What I want you to see this morning is that real love, it gives. Real love is about what do I have that I can exhaust? What do I have that I can let go of? What do I have that I can give so that I might help those whom I love? It's not a feeling. Love does something. Don't tell me that you love somebody you're not willing to do anything for. Love does something. God so loved that He gave. But what did He give? It wasn't just anything that God gave. It was His own Son. And here's what I want you to see this morning about real love. Love gives of me, not of what I have. One of the problems with our, with us men is that we think we can show love by giving stuff. But stuff does not really allow, it is not, it is not the fullness of love. I, I believe that if you love your family, if you love your children, if you, if you love people, you'll get them stuff. But God didn't just so love the world that He gave us stuff. That He decided to feed us. That He decided to clothe us. That He decided to give us shelter. He loved us. He so loved us that He gave His Son. His very life of His Son. You see, that's vulnerability. That's a willingness to give you Me. And the reason that we like to give stuff is because I can give you stuff. And you can neglect the stuff and you can throw the stuff away, and you can treat the stuff as if it doesn't matter. And that doesn't affect me. And so really, what we often do is we use stuff as a way to supposedly show love while not having to be vulnerable enough to step in and say, you might abuse me. Can I tell you, men, what your, husband, men, what your wife wants is you. Not just your stuff. Not just what you buy for her. When we think that the only way we really show love, when we think, well, I, you know, I turned the lights on, didn't I? I paid the bills, didn't I? I bought you this, I bought you that. We've got a home, you've got a car, I've got all these things. Your wife thinks to herself, am I not any more important than the electric company? Do you not owe me any more than what you owe the mortgage company? See, it's not just stuff. The same is true with children. Your children don't just want you to buy them stuff, Mom or Dad. They want you. They want you. And I've got to be willing, if I'm going to step into real love, I've got to understand, love gives. And it doesn't just give stuff, it gives me. It's my time. It's my ear. 
It's my willingness to listen. It's my willingness to put myself out there and be vulnerable and know that you might not respect it. You might not appreciate it. Some of you have stepped out and you've done that before and you were run over like a by a Mack truck. And you're hurt and you're wounded. And you thought to yourself, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to get in a position again where I can get hurt. But that is the worst thing that you can do because you can't truly love and receive love till you're willing to give of yourself. And somewhere you've got to step back out and say, I've got to love. Because love isn't about me. Love is about what can I give to help those that I love. Don't mistake lust for love. There is a vast difference between the two. And the amazing thing is, they look so similar. They look so incredibly similar that even Christians can mistake the two. The devil is a liar. He is a master deceiver. He is so deceitful. He is so incredible at lying that the Bible says that that he even disguises himself as an angel of light. Now, when we, we talk about how wicked the devil is, we talk about how evil he is, and we understand as Christians the chaos of the world and the death and destruction of the world that is caused at the root, at the heart of it, by the system of Satan himself. And we see him for how wicked he is. But the problem is we do not understand that he disguises himself in such a way that the undiscerning eye can't tell him apart from a true angel of light. Now, this is the true of lust and love. It is the devil's counterfeit of God's real thing. Lust, though, here's the difference. And really, it comes down to a matter of the heart. Now, lust can be sexual. But the word lust in the Word of God has so much more to do with than just the sexual tendencies of the human nature. It is about me. It is about getting what I want. It's about satisfying all of my desires and wants. Love, real love is selfless. Real love is what can I give to help those around me. Real love is what can I give of myself to help this person that I love. And so in a relationship with real love, you have got two people together. They both love each other. They're both giving. They, they're, they're, there's, a, there's an aspect of both of their parts. When they both really love each other, you're going to see that they, they love each other. They want to be around each other. They like to spend time with each other. All those things that people have in a relationship. But a relationship that's driven by lust, it'll look the same way too. They give and they give and they give. But ultimately, the motivation of why I give is because I'm wanting something from you. And I'm willing to give all that I've got if I think it will help me get from you what I want from you. But the moment that I find out I'm not going to get from you what I really want from you, that's the moment I quit giving and I go somewhere else to find what I need to satisfy my own selfish lusts. It looks very similar. Two people sitting next to each other come offering time. See, love gives. Love gives. Two people sitting next to each other at offering time. One pulls in a check and puts it in the offering plate. 
The next person pulls in a check and puts it in the offering plate. The first person who puts it in does it out of lust. You see, they're thinking to themselves, I know there's a job promotion coming up in two weeks and I really want God's favor in that job promotion. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a little money in the offering plate so that God owes me something. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to manipulate God by being faithful to church, by being faithful in my tithing, all that type of stuff. But ultimately, the motivation of the heart is there's something I want to get out of my giving. That's not love, my friends. It is still lust. I'm telling you, lust is so deceitful. It's so disguising. And when you look and you'll think to yourself, well, I do this, I give, I do that. It all comes down to the motivation of the heart. And God alone is the one that really knows the motivation of our hearts. And we, we know the motivation of our heart. The next person, though, that gives, gives with this attitude. This is the attitude of love. God, I don't care if you never do another thing for me again. You are God. You are good. You've saved me. You've redeemed me. I just Anything I can do to show you that I love you, I want to give what I have. I want to exhaust what I have. I want to take it. No strings attached. It is yours, God, because you are good, because you are God, and I love you, and I trust you with my life, and I'm just giving because I love. Now, to the undiscerning eye, it looks identical. But do not mistake lust for love. Real love is selfless. Real love gives. And what I want you to see this morning is that real love is tough. Look with me in Matthew chapter 26. We're going to spend some time in Matthew chapter 26 and 27. Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to begin to read in verse 52, but before I do, I just you, you need to know where we're at. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He has prayed. Luke records that He prayed until His sweat became His drops of blood. Luke records that, that, that He agonized in prayer. All of the Gospels that record this event tell us that three times He prayed, Father, if there be any way, let this cup pass from Me. His disciples are sleeping on Him. The... Uh, the, the, uh, eventually the soldiers come to arrest Jesus. And in our text, we see that, uh, that Peter had pulled out his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cut off his ear, and we begin there in verse 52. Jesus said to him, put your sword in its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Look at verse 53. And in everything that we go through over the next few minutes, I want you to keep verse 53 in mind. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father and He will provide me with more than twelve legions of angels? Do you remember in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 17 when Elisha was surrounded by the enemy and his servant saw... And his servant woke him up and said, hey, we're in trouble. And what did Elisha say? He said, open his eyes that he might see. They were surrounded by angels and chariots of fire. I have no doubt that in some degree, 
That was taking place here. This is the most significant moment of human history. This is the reason, the hour for which He came. I have no doubt there were multitudes of angels surrounding, watching on. I have no doubt there were multitudes of demons surrounding the events that we are going through. Jesus said more than twelve legions. A legion, most agree, is six thousand. Twelve times six thousand, seventy-two thousand. And Jesus said more than twelve. But this is where we get the song. He could have called ten thousand angels. This is the text. He could have called more than seventy-two thousand if we want to be correct. But here's what we need to see. God help us to see it this morning. We say it all the time. We know that Jesus said, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down willingly. At any moment, at this moment, at the moment they were plucking the beard from His face, at the moment they were whipping Him there and He was being lashed, at the moment that they were plucking the beard from His face, at the moment they were putting the crowns on His head, at the moment they were nailing the nails through His hands, He could have called it off. Not just when He was on the cross. Starting here is where He made the statement. Peter, hold your sword. Do you not know that I could just make one call and more than 72,000 angels would come to my aid? You see, there's nothing that could have stopped Jesus from making it to the cross. Nothing. He was determined to do it. 72,000 angels at His beck and call waiting to just hear the Word. His disciples saying, we'll die before we let you die. We've got swords. We know how to do this. We'll die before we let you die. Everybody. Something was motivating Him so greatly that nothing could stop Him from going to the cross. Now, let's look at the cross. From Gethsemane all the way to His death, He could have found the way out. It is here. I believe, and I say this authoritatively with all of my heart, I believe that what we're about to see is the fulfillment of love. There are a lot of things that we have seen over the last couple of weeks. We have looked at uh, 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 honest, real stories in the Bible that were pictures of the love of God towards mankind. We have looked at the love of God uh, towards Uh, Hosea going after his wife after she had left him and turned her back on him. We have looked at the love of God setting free the slave Onesimus and bringing him into the family. We have looked at how God's love is a game changer. But I'm telling you this morning that what we are beginning to look at here in the next few minutes is the fullness of love. There is nowhere in the Bible, there is nothing that we will look at. If you want to know, do I love? What is real love? What does God's love look like? What? How do I love my wife? How do I love my husband? How do I love my children? How do I love my enemies? What is the fullness of love? What does it look like? What we're about to see is the fullness of love in action. Verse 53, Jesus says, I can call 12,000. We see love says, I'm not going to find a way out. Verse 56, But all this was done that the Scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. 
Then all the disciples forsook Him and fled. If you underline in your Bible, you can underline that word all. It wasn't just Peter. Here we see that sometimes love has to stand alone. You see, real love is so focused on hope. Real love is willing to go to the cross. Even when nobody else will. When all else forsake, real love stands all by itself. You need to understand this morning that though the whole world forsake you, though everybody turn their back on you, though everybody in your family question you, though you feel like you're all alone, understand that God will not leave you. He is determined that He will go to the cross if that's what it takes. He has already shown us through His Son that He will die there and He will hang there if we just would come to Him. You can trust that real love stands alone. And though the whole world turn their back on you, God will never turn His back on you because He loves you with a perfect love. He loves you with real love. You see, but it's not easy to stand. It's not easy to love people who won't love you back. Jesus actually alluded to this and made the statement, uh, the general statement. Jesus said, you know, what, what good is it you love those who love you? He says even the, you know, the taxpayers do that. Even sinners do that. Heathen do that. Everybody loves those who love us back. That's not love. As you'll find, if you look deep at the heart of it, it's still lust. It's still about me. I'm willing to cut loose and I'm willing to quit giving and I'm willing to quit sowing into you if I'm not getting in return. Aren't you grateful that Jesus didn't do this here? All His disciples forsook Him and there He stood alone, getting ready to face down the most brutal death man had ever known. A death He did not deserve, a death that was not His, a death that, he, that there was no reason except love. That's what love looks like. Love is willing to stand alone when everyone else leaves. Look at verse 67 and 68. Then they spat in his face and beat him. And others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? There have been very few mental pictures that I've ever got in my mind. And as preachers, you just have to be able to have mental... you, you got to be able to, to picture stuff. And so sometimes we have a wild imagination. But there are few pictures I've ever got in my mind that have moved me more than this exact event. We know that He's blindfolded. We know that they're mocking Him. We know that He's standing alone. And we know that they're striking Him across the head. And they're teasing Him. And they say, prophesy to us, Christ... Who is the one who hits you? How humiliating. But here's what I think. I don't think it, I know it. He actually knew the answer. But he stayed silent. Could you imagine? Just imagine. He's blindfolded and he's struck across the head and he falls to the ground. Who hit you that time, Christ? He says, Joplin Emerson, born in Wellington, Kansas, raised in the home of Clay and Lois Emerson, raised in the small town of Clearwater, Kansas, 
and just begins to read my mail. And he says of the other person that struck him, I've always thought he knew. But he said nothing. I'm telling you, real love is a whole lot different than, than our perception of it. Every one of us here this morning under the sound of my voice, we have a definition of what love looks like. Jesus defines for us what real love is. He's the standard. He's the one that we must measure up against. Real love, it stands alone. In verse 67 and verse 68 as He's spit. I can't think of anything more demoralizing than people spitting on your face, mocking you publicly. And yet He endured the pain. I'm here to tell you this morning, whether we like it or not, real love endures the pain. Real love. This is the God type of love. I pray this morning God would expand our hearts and let us receive it and quit excusing ourselves away for the times that we draw back and refuse to give people love because I'm not willing to endure the pain of what love looks like. I'm not willing to put myself out anymore because I don't want to be spit in the face. I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to be mocked. I don't want to be ridiculed. But nothing could stop Jesus. We see, God help us see it, we see that love is more powerful than evil. We see it. Right now you're watching evil in its full force doing everything it can to stop love. And evil in its full force is bound together. His friends have forsaken Him. His enemies have drawn together. They have conspired together. They have joined forces. And all together they are fighting one man. Just one. Motivated by real love. Everything they can do to get Him to stop. Everything they can do to get Him to turn. Everything they can get Him to do to denounce who He is. To denounce His purpose. To denounce His Father in Heaven. Just one word. And we see the love. Real love. God's love, it triumphs over all the evil in this world bound together with one solitary purpose of knocking love to its knees and yet love keeps moving on. In chapter 27 and verse 26, we see that Barabbas is released, Jesus is scourged, and He's delivered to be crucified. We see love taking the place of mankind here. Barabbas is really the one that should have been delivered to death. Just like you, just like me. And we see Jesus crucified in His place. Now look at verses 29-31. When they had twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him. See, he was spit on twice, recorded twice, and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. 
What did chapter 26 and verse 53 tell us? Do you not know I could have called twelve legions of angels at any time? I don't have to endure this. I'm choosing to. For God so loved. God help us to see what love really looks like this morning. This world is a cursed, selfish people. Brothers and sisters, even as Christians, we can be so fleshly sometimes and so deceived sometimes. Withholding love. So selfish, it's all about me. What do I get out of this? What do I get if I give of myself? You see, love works when there are no guarantees. Love works when there's no guarantee they're going to accept it. No guarantee. But love says, I can't stop. I have to keep going. I have to keep loving. I have to be faithful. And in verses 38-43, Then two robbers were crucified with Him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed Him, wagging their heads. And saying, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. You see, love won't save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. You see, Jesus told us already He could have come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself He cannot save. If He is the King of Israel, let Him now come down from the cross and we will believe in Him. He trusted in God. Let Him deliver Him now if He will have Him. For He said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with Him reviled Him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up His Spirit. There's the Savior hanging on the cross. He's already endured the torture that we've discussed. They have driven nails through His his wrists. They have driven a nail through His ankles. They have hung Him up on a cross. And now they mock. Come down off of there. If you're really God's Son, why doesn't God save you? It is one of the most cruel pictures in human history. Arguably the most cruel picture in human history. Isn't it interesting when we talk about love, this is kind of the last subject that we talk about. But I'm telling you, this is love on display. 
This is the fullness of love. This is the fact that sometimes love leads. Real love goes where false love stops. Real love keeps pushing forward when everything else gives up. This is the love of the Savior. And as He's hanging there, get the picture, He's all by Himself. His disciples have forsaken Him. The chief priests are there mocking Him. The Romans are there mocking Him. The the thieves hanging on the cross are mocking Him. He's, He's hanging there by Himself. Why not just come off? Why not just say, get me out of here? Why not just say the Word? You see, there's some things that love will make you stay through. This is a hard statement for me to make in this day and age. But this three-time divorced generation doesn't know anything about love. Because there are some things, real love, it'll make you stay through. When the whole world's telling you back out, when the whole world's saying give up, Jesus is on the cross saying, no, I have hope. I have hope that somehow if I don't break, if I don't bend, if I don't give up, if I accomplish the Father's will, whether it takes me all the way to death, I know that's where it's leading me, that somehow love is going to win. It will be worth it in the end. And there are some things, love, it will just make you stay through. It won't let you out. Real love. That's God's love. And can I say for a moment, thank God for that. Thank God for that. You know, I know that some of you and us, just in general, hey, our flesh is saying, no, that ain't right. I've got every reason to do this, every reason to do that. Yeah, Jesus had every reason to come off the cross. Okay? He had every reason to come off the cross. He had every reason to turn His back on us. He had every reason to leave us. He had every reason. A hundred times more than every reason you'll ever come up with. But He loved you. And love wouldn't let Him out of it. That's real love. That's God's love. And I can tell you, spiritually speaking, concerning my relationship with God, I'm so grateful He loved me that way. I'm so grateful His love is an enduring love that took Him all the way to His last dying breath. Love will make you stay through some things that everyone else would walk out on. See, real love is tough. Hanging on Calvary's cruel tree, and yet He stayed there. Real love is tough. Anybody can walk out. Anybody can give up. Jesus said, of course, even the the, the sinners of this world, they love those who love them. What is that? But I say to you, love your enemies. And we didn't know it, but and they didn't know it at the time, but three years later, Jesus would prove it. He would show us what that statement looked like in action. Because love is an action. It's not just lip service. It's not just telling somebody, I love you, but. 
Love is an action. Love wins. Even when it looks like we've been defeated. I want you to see that. When Jesus died, it looked like love lost. To the whole world, it would look like, well, what did that get you? That's why people give up. What was the benefit of that? Now your disciples are humiliated. You died. Your enemies are rejoicing. The Pharisees are back there clapping. They finally succeeded. It looked for a moment, didn't it, like love lost. But we learned something. Love never loses. Love never loses. And listen to me this morning. Real love. Real love. It never dies. It never dies. Where there is knowledge, it shall pass away. Where there is faith, it shall pass away. But love, love, it endures forever. Real love never dies. And while it looked like for a couple of days that love had lost, a few days later, love come up out of a grave. Telling this world you can't put love down. Not real love. Not the love of God. Maybe the love of this world. Maybe what this world titles love. Maybe this, this lust, this attitude. Yeah, lust will let you down. Lust will make you lose. Lust will destroy your life. Lust will leave you empty. But real love, it comes up out of that grave three days later. And Jesus found His disciples on the road uh, to Emmaus. And He said to them, what are you so sad about? And he told them, love is alive. Love always wins. The devil wants you to quit loving people. That's what he wants you to do. He wants you to think it's not worth it. He wants you to think, well, you keep doing that, you'll die on that cross. Real love says, if I have to die on that cross, I will die on that cross, but I am not giving up on him. I'm not giving up on her. I'm not giving up on my children. I'm not giving up on God's will. I'm not giving up on the will of the Father. I'm not giving up because love hopes what nothing else can. I'm going to close this morning with two quick points and I'll be done. Understand that, as I said, real love is tough. And this Jesus that hung on the cross, and endured the shame, and died the death of a criminal publicly for all to see and mock. This is the same Jesus the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that nothing was made that was made without Him. And that in verse 14, then the Word became flesh. It teaches us this about Jesus. Jesus existed before He took on the form of flesh inside the womb of Mary. Jesus is equally God in that He has always existed and always will. He's, he is the Son of God in position, but equally he's, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are equally God. And Jesus, nothing was made that was made that was not made through Him. So when there was nothing, Jesus spoke and the world came into existence. This is the same God who told the waters where to stop, the mountains where to rise, the seashore where to stay, 
the stars where to hang, who named them one by one, who put the planets in orbit, who took dust and formed it into humans and breathed the breath of life into Adam and Eve. This is that God. He is the almighty, all-powerful God. This is the Jesus unto whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, not just of mankind, but on earth and in heaven. This is that Jesus, the almighty, powerful God. What are you trying to tell me this morning, preacher? That love is power. It's not weakness. Real love is power. It takes power to do what Jesus did on the cross. That's not weakness. The devil wants us to think that loving that way is weakness. Be strong. Being strong is nothing more than a front for your weak heart and your fear of being hurt. That's what your being strong really is. It is a mask of your weakness. Real love, real love is strong. Real love is powerful. And I'm telling you, it takes the Spirit of God in a man or a woman to love that way. Next week, we're probably going to wrap up this series with Jesus telling us, as I have loved you, He said it's a new commandment, right? Now, we'd had the commandment to love each other before. But Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. New commandment. That you love each other as I have loved you. John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave. Go ahead and ask our worship team to come. What did God give us? He gave us His Son. That's what God gave Jesus Christ is the ultimate gift. When God gave, He gave of Himself. He gave His Son. That which was most precious to Him. It's the ultimate gift. People all over are looking for gifts. Something to make me feel important. Something to make me feel significant. Let's be honest. We all like to get gifts. I like to get gifts. You like to get gifts. My children like to get gifts. We all like to get gifts. God knows that. He made us. And He gave us the ultimate gift. His Son. Until we learn the significance of the love that God has given us, the significance of the gift that we desire, why would we ever desire anything more? He has given us Himself. Genesis 15.1, we see the principle, God said, I am your exceedingly great reward. It is, it is God Himself that He gives to us. And we can be so deceived looking everywhere else. We're kind of like the prodigal son, right? I want the Father's stuff. Father, give me all the stuff You've got. That's what I want. It doesn't lead to joy. It doesn't lead to peace. It doesn't lead to happiness. And even if God gave it all to you the same way the prodigal son did the father, we'd squander it. Because that's not the gift. The gift is Him. And I'm telling you, He's enough. Lord, move all across this room this morning. I believe I said all that You've had me to say. I confess, God, I don't even know the point.
just a better understanding of Your love. God, nothing profound, nothing earth-shattering, nothing new this morning. God, the reality that real love stays. Real love endures. God, help us, number one, to be comforted this morning by the fact that You love us with real love. Hallelujah. No wonder the Apostle Paul said that nothing could separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Help us, Lord, this morning to examine our hearts. Do we really love one another the way You've loved us? Are we walking in love or are we walking in lust? Whatever the need is this morning, God, I pray that You finish what You started in each of our individual hearts. In Jesus' name.